What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite entertainment news podcast. As always, I am one of your hosts. My name is Willis. And I am the other one of your hosts, and my name is Josh. Willis and Josh, that's that's us, if you, that's if you us. haven't figured that out by now. Yes. <laughs> uh, so let's let's kick right into it, Josh. Uh, you got a couple pieces of content that you've been consuming this week. I do have a couple pieces of content. Uh, the first one that I consumed was the French Dispatch, which I really? saw this weekend. Um, didn't know that it wasn't getting a wide release, so I kind of had to find the AMC that was actually playing it, which was not the closest one, but neither here nor there. Great film. It's Wes Anderson really in his bag, just doing his thing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's it's a good movie. Three stories told in the style of like a print newspaper, which is really interesting and just 100% fits his style thematically and nice. like aesthetically. It's, it's, it's a great time. Um, and I also consumed Halo Landfall, which I don't know, like a lot of people may not know this, but it's basically a short film that was used to pitch a Halo movie back in like 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's directed by Neil Blomkamp, who did like District Nine and like okay. Elysium and all those movies. I did not know that because I saw this way back in the day, and I was like, "Yes, this is exactly what a Halo film should be." Uh, and I just revisited this weekend, and it's great. It's a proof of concept for a Halo film. That's like if you look at this and don't greenlight it, I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. But this thing is incredible, um, and you can find that on YouTube. So highly recommend Halo Landfall. Good it's stuff. so strange. He like was poised to become like a massive director and i feel like we haven't seen anything from him in, in quite a while he was supposed to do al- a couple alien sequels yeah, yeah. so i'm like D- yeah he then just he, he Ridley, released but i know and he released a new uh movie called like demonic this year that was really people said it was horrible so i'm like i don't he fell off which i yeah. i'm very sad about because he was a promising sci-fi filmmaker yeah, i'm like yes one of the <laughs> yeah go to like district nine put him on the map in like a massive yeah. movie, but in um, all three movies he did was like District Nine, Elysium, and Chappie, all very, very solid movies. So yeah, you know it is what it is. But uh, but what do you have, Willis? What have you been consuming this week? Uh, so mine are a little bit different. Um, the first thing I'm going to recommend is a YouTube channel that I I sort of stumbled across. That's uh, hmm. very much, I guess you'd say, in my vein of like what I what I like to watch. Um, it's called Cinema Therapy. And it's basically, it's two guys, one a filmmaker and one a licensed therapist going through Ah. films and talking about how certain films, you know, handle certain, uh, certain situations and certain things that you would see a therapist for basically. Like, uh, the one I watched the other day was how Pixar's Inside Out handles sadness and the relationship between those things and how that compares. It's really interesting stuff and they're oh. you know like half hour episodes so they dive into like basically a whole film um they oh, did okay. one on star trek first contact which was pretty hilarious uh, <laughs> and like dealing Wonderful. with like, trauma and whatnot but totally yeah so wow, how really many... cool stuff hmm? i was just gonna say do they have like a long cattle like a big back yeah they've been doing to it watch? for a little while um let me that sounds right here. up my alley <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like they have, they're like, a, they have like six hundred thousand followers, so it's you know oh, not, yeah, okay. not not like a small thing. Um, and it looks like they got like a, you know, I don't know, they got maybe like thirty, forty different videos here. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's it's established at least. Okay. Yeah, 
So it's it's really interesting. I'm just like looking at it here is like, you know, therapists react to Beauty and the Beast. Therapists react to uh, Terminator 2 and difficult parents. Uh, <laughs> you know, therapist reacts to uh, the psychology of a hero in Captain America. Like it's it's some interesting stuff. Um, That's awesome. All right, well, um, subscribe then, right now. Yeah. And then my <laughs> second item um, is, is more of something I've been doing, having a lot of fun. Uh, I bought myself a an Oculus Quest 2, uh, and I have been playing the game Beat Saber like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those who aren't aware, Beat Saber is basically Guitar Hero in VR. You have two lightsabers that you have to cut through flying blocks in time with music, and it's freakishly addictive and a lot of fun. So. <laughs> Hell yes. Um, I still haven't bought Oculus Quest, but I have to now. Uh, so yeah, so that's what I've been kind of uh, consuming the past the past week. Awesome. So with that, uh, let's sort of get into the episode here. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, a couple things. Of course, we would be remiss if we didn't go over and sort of discuss the tragedy that happened on the Rust film set this past week. Um, uh-huh. We'll get more into that. Um but basically there was a accidental shooting on a film set this past week that ended in the death of the cinematographer, which is it's the more it comes out, like the more it's just like a huge tragedy. Yeah. Absolutely um, awful. Yes. Uh, after that to try and bring it back up, I guess, I guess. Yeah. I We're going to talk about uh, the DJI Ronin 4d, which is it's got a name new, folks. Yes. Their new, uh, their new stabilizer that we actually talked about on this podcast way back in the day when it was just like a a patented would-be item. Yeah. And we thought it was ridiculous then, and we'll see what we'll we see think what we th- now. <laughs> yeah. Um and then we're gonna we're gonna bring us down with um I guess you'd call it a discussion of Timothy Chalamet. Yes, um, I would say discussion, and not just yeah. necessarily centered on Chalamet, but he will be the like the um, the main Tip- the, our tipping off, our jumping off point. I guess yeah. T- Timothy Chalamet <laughs> colon do actors still draw crowds like they used to? Because there it is, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet this this past weekend is in two massive films, and we'll talk about um, how important he really is to those. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, it, yeah, we're not necessarily yeah. dunking on Chalamet, but it's an interesting, it'll be a topic to discuss. For sure. So with that, uh, let's dive in. So we have to discuss, let's do a basic walkthrough of what happened uh, last week. I want to say it was on Wednesday, Thursday, last Thursday. Yes, yes. Alec Baldwin is in a new film that was being shot called Rust, um, mm-hmm. a Western. And they were shooting in New Mexico. And essentially, from what we understand, while they were prepping for a shot, while they were doing setup, Alec Baldwin was handed a gun that he was told was clear, didn't have any rounds in it, that actually ended up having a live round in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in his rehearsing i guess you'd say um accidentally fired the gun uh towards the camera shot the 
cinematographer uh, Helena Hutchins in the chest. The bullet went through her and into the shoulder of director Joel Souza. Uh, both were rushed to the hospital. Helena Hutchins died shortly thereafter, and uh, Joel Souza remains in the hospital uh, mm-hmm. as of this recording. Yes. Absolutely horrifying. Like, yeah, everyone's nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy that, like, in this kind of day and age, mistakes like this can can still happen and can still, you know, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What, what what do you? I don't. I don't want to say like, what are your thoughts? Because like, but yeah, this is. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and it's like even to someone as high profile as Alec Baldwin, these things can happen, and it doesn't yeah. happen super often. I mean, like a very famous instance was, I believe, Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's yeah. son, was famously also killed by, I believe it was the same thing, like a like a either a misfiring blank or something to do with that on the set of yeah. The Crow back in '93, and yeah, so these things do happen. It's 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 a really interesting situation because especially coming through all of this IATSE uh, drama and mm-hmm. everything that's going on with Cruz, it's just making it it's giving it a bigger spotlight for sure right now, which is important. Um, but it's also like we talk all the time about film crews and how many people it takes to make a film. And yeah. even though like they they keep saying oh it's super low budget, like this was a very indie film. I mean, come how does something like this happen on yeah. set with someone like Alec Baldwin? It's just like it just doesn't make any sense to me. And they kind of went through it and they're like, yeah, there's two people who have to have their hands on this before it even gets to him. Yeah. Like to to make sure that there's nothing in it, to make sure that they're actually handing him an unloaded gun, like it goes through I believe it was what was it? The props person yeah, the, or the it was like arm, the armorer. The... Armorer, yeah, yeah, armorer, and then the the first AD, yeah. Um, so it's like multiple people, quote unquote, are supposed to be checking these. So um, the interesting thing that I read that sort of I think contributed to this is, well, there is a couple things, but the main thing here is that the first AD and the armorer, to my understanding, weren't really conversing that much, yeah, because of COVID protocols, like. Mm-hmm. They, the armorer had set, I think it was three guns, all of which were supposed to be completely cold, you know, not have mm-hmm. any kind of round near them. Yeah. Um, and then like left the set and then the AD was responsible for them. And that's the thing that's still strange that's going on here is as of this recording, no one is really sure where this live round came from. Right. Because the armorer set out cold guns. Um, mm-hmm. the, they were setting up the shot with those rounds. Everybody broke for lunch. And then when they came back, that was when they were, they were like adjusting for a shadow and, you know, Baldwin was rehearsing and they called cold gun cause they could have all, they should have all been, you know, cold. Um, yeah, they literally said it out loud. Like this has yeah. nothing in it. So it's, it's, it's a weird thing of there's information that we don't have yet as to what necessarily happened. And I mean, it is like an open investigation with the, um, with the police department. And, um, I don't know. We'll see what happened. It's, it's one of those weird things. That's like, I'm hesitant to say that like, this has anything to do with like all of the IATSE stuff that we've been talking about and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of 
conversation around that because part of the camera crew, or I think most of the camera crew had walked off the set earlier in the day. Yep. um, Like the camera operators and the ACs. Yeah. Because of hours and because of, uh, I think it was like the commute. They were commuting like 50 miles or something every morning. Yeah, they were originally told that they were going to be able to stay in the neighboring town. Turns out they weren't able to when they yeah. showed up to set, so they had to commute like 50 hours to Albuquerque um, yeah. every day, which is just like absurd in and itself. Um, I also so, did read that the, there was other accidental discharges on yeah. set prior to this. Which and I'm that's like, kind of what, so... I, what I was building towards there, yeah. Of Yeah, yeah. If you're in a place where you've had multiple accidental discharges on set, Mm-hmm. like how is that not addressed how has that not been and I, I like and i i don't know like i like we don't have information on this but i'm like yeah if you have one accidental discharge on set that should be enough to shut everything down and figure out what happened and like how are we going to prevent this from happening again right and that's where i think there's negligence of yes there was somebody on that set when well we haven't figured this out completely but let's keep shooting yeah um yeah i don't know the whole thing's tragic it's it's very reminiscent of in i want to say 2000 uh like 14 uh there was the death of sarah jones uh who Mm. was like a camera assistant um who was hit by a train because the production that she was working on was illegally shooting on a train track that they that you couldn't get off be, of wasn't it like a bridge it was, it was a bridge yeah, yeah 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 and a train started coming down and they bailed out and she just um and when that happened that called for a lot of re-examination of safety protocols and, and things like that and really got a huge industry behind it so i'm hoping that you know th- this tragic accident that's happened now um kind of has a similar reaction and people can like be like hey like safety is not a joke like it doesn't yeah. like you can't just bail out on safety protocols because you're in a rush or because you're trying to keep it low budget like those things yeah. should be absolutely immovable in terms of protocol exactly right? dude yeah i'm 100 percent on board it's um it's kind of ridiculous that still in 2021 this shit can happen where it's like, yeah, yeah, no matter how small your budget is, it's like if you're not budgeting out, if you're going to work with real guns, like you've got to budget out people there that know what they're doing to deal with that. And there's no excuse of being like, oh, yeah, you know, well, the crew was tired or this happened or that happened or we didn't have a lot of money. It's like there's no excuse. Like this is stuff that needs to be dealt with. And if you can't handle it, you can't. You can't be doing this. And it's weird because there's so many, like, films are made every day, so it's like it's hard to keep track of every production and every single person being accountable, which is another scary instance because it's like, again, it's not like Baldwin. It's not no one. You know, it's there's there's real people working on this film, and this happens to someone like this. It's just like, it's there's negligence for sure. Like, this stuff doesn't just accidentally happen, especially when it's like, yeah, it's someone was handed a loaded weapon. That's... I mean, multiple people that fell that f- yeah, just completely fell out. There's failure on multiple levels. Exactly. On uh, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just insane. And I also want to say that like I've seen some people, not a lot of people, pointing the finger at Alec Baldwin and I'm like, "What? 
Like, yeah. what are you, and like, even people I've heard, like, talk to me in person, they're like, well, safe gun safety. It's like, that's not, his job is the actor. Like, sure, gun safety, but, you know, I've had people say, like, why was he pointing it at people? It's like, it's a movie. Like, that's what he, he oftentimes, you have well, to point it at the camera. Like that, what, it's, the, the shot that they were setting up was him <laughs> shooting at the camera. Sure. So it's like, that's yeah. the way the shot was set up. So, no, I can't, people don't. Don't blame Alec Baldwin for this. Yeah. This was and like, not his fault. That that stuff drives me crazy, too, because it's like proper gun safety and all that. But it's like he had every understanding that it was an empty gun. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like they called out cold gun. That's what that means. Yeah. That's all he needs. And that's well, all yeah. he should have needed. Like, that's just what it is. Do you have people yeah. on set for that very reason? So it's it's tough because it's like. Yeah, there's like failures for there for sure. There is a level to which it is an accident. You know what I mean? I don't oh, think sure. there was anybody with malicious intent. No. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just something that's going to call for like a reexamination of like safety on sets and things like that. It it just, I don't know. Yeah. It blo- you know, Like you said, it blows me away that this kind of stuff is still an argument that we have to have in mm-hmm. 2021, you know. In the midst of, of of crews and production houses having huge drama, it's like, yeah, you'd think, yeah, it's well, hard. In the midst, it's, 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 I don't want to point fingers, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a tragedy for sure. Um, I know there is a, a charity that's been set up in mm-hmm. um, Helena Hutchins' name. Yes. Uh, that I believe the production company uh, that was producing Rust is matching donations, uh, you know, to that, to that charity. Uh, yes. And I think they've raised almost, no, they've raised over 200,000. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, great. You know, I'm sure her family would much rather she were yeah. still alive, but I would say that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's crazy, you know, on your film sets, guys, if you're filmmakers, safety is paramount you know like i i I hear people say all the time it's better to i think i've talked about this before on this podcast but it's better to beg forgiveness than ask permission Mm -hmm. and like i've always been a, a i've always hated that mentality because yeah that assumes that the thing that you're begging for forgiveness for is something that's not like a huge mistake or a huge tragedy or something like you know like right yeah it's not a blanket statement that you can just tell people yeah yeah so 100 percent, man yeah i um it's yeah it's weird because we hadn't had something like this come around in a while thankfully mm-hmm. um and it again this takes everyone by surprise i think a lot of people while they, you know, might have been hearing a little bit about the IATSE struggles and all the union stuff, like, might not have been paying as much attention to it. But as soon mm-hmm. as a headline like this comes out, it's like, you can't not hear about this. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's it's an incredible tragedy. I just don't know. I don't, I don't even know what to say. It's just, should never have happened, basically. Yeah. Should never have happened. Yeah. yeah. So... Oh, I feel weird, like, making, like, I a know. transition I was, here. <laughs> I was going to go, like, yeah. oh, speaking of things that should never have happened. Yeah, I was I was thinking um, that, too. It seems a little just, bit uh, let's just move color. on to, yeah, yeah, gross. 
let's just move on. Let's talk about DJI uh, mm. and their brand new Ronin 4D. Good God, this monstrosity. So, Josh, tell us about this camera. I feel like you're going to know a little bit more about it than I. So we talked about this, I think, either on our very first or second episode. This was like the, yeah. way back um, where DJI had patented this gimbal slash camera hybrid. And we were both kind of like, okay, well, that's really ridiculous. And now it's here. They just released not only the specs and what it's going to cost, but they released a little like tiny teaser promo video of it actually being shot and what it can do. Yeah. It's... um still just about as ridiculous as I thought it was going to be. The specs are really impressive to me. That was the one thing that I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. At least it can hold its own against some of these other cameras. Um, but I think the overall idea... Well, let, I'll, I'll just run through some of the specs real quick. Yes. So it's a four-axis gimbal hybrid camera, which is very odd. Um, I, I would believe... say probably the first thing that's like this. Yes. Right? Unless you count, like, the pocket Osmos or something like this. I can't think of anything else that's, like, a stabilizer and a camera. It's true. I mean, they've been doing this for a while with their yeah. drones, if you think about it. I so, guess yeah. drones, yeah. It's so, like, yeah. anything non-DJI, I guess, I can't think of anything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But this is the first, like, full-frame, pro-level, something that you can quote-unquote use on, like, a real cinema set. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it looks like the 6K version is going to be 7200 or 7199 which is a price tag for sure and the 8k version is going to go for like almost 1200 yeah. um it can do the 8k can do 8k at 12, 75 12,000 what did i say 1200 1200 yeah not 1200 12,000 <laughs> woo that would be but crazy. um but yeah it's got a full frame sensor which is cool it's got the zenmuse uh, x9 gimbal which is what they use on their like inspire drones yep which is really Interesting. I don't want to hear what you have to say about this because they're saying at this point it's not interchangeable or you can use their own like mount lenses, but it will potentially become interchangeable in the future. So I've seen people using Inspires and buy Inspire lenses. It's only a handful because of the, the weight limitation, the size limitation. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on... Like, it's pretty much going to be... You're going to have to use their proprietary lenses, I assume, or else you're going to have yeah. to use some like... I don't know what you could put on this full frame. Like, <laughs> it just seems a little bit absurd. So, to my understanding, like, you can switch the lens, but only to, like, the other DJI lenses, right? For now, it's it's going to be DL, which is their mount, apparently, mm -hmm. and then, like, L mount, which I'm like, okay, sure. Everyone makes an L mount for some reason, but sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, it's a weird thing because... Like, part of me is like, yeah, somebody's just going to knock off the mount and, like, we'll be able to put whatever we want on it in, like, a week. Right. You right. know what I mean? Well, they'll just Broken be... Broken on or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they'll just be a dozen third-party adapters that you can you can put on this camera. Mm -hmm. The thing with that, though, is you're changing the whole balance of the thing, which on, right. like, a normal camera doesn't matter, but on this, it's everything. Everything. Like, if you look at this thing, and I realize this is a podcast... uh, Scroll back on our Instagram. I'm pretty sure we posted like the, what the uh, uh, original patent looked <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, the but or you're on an iPhone. Just look it up real quick. Yeah, come on. Yeah, Google it. <laughs> um, so with this thing, it's like it's got four axes, like you said. As soon as someone like tries to put like a seventy to two hundred on the front of that thing, or like a 
you know, some kind of big cinema lens or something like that. I'm like, it's not going to work anymore. Right. So there's a level to which DJI can't really open this up to any lens because people will go insane and break them immediately. Right. <laughs> I think that this camera is cool. And I think this is like a prerequisite of them finding their way to something else. Yes. You know what I mean? I feel like they're, this is like the first round and then they're going to update it and they're going to build something that's a little more robust and can handle any kind of interchangeable thing. Right. I still don't think you're putting like 100 to 400s on the front of it, but no. also like it's a gimbal, like you wouldn't want to be that zoomed in anyway. Exactly. <laughs> um. So I don't know. I'm like, I want to be reticent of this thing. I want to be like, eh, but it's very interesting it is what do you think of the four axis stabilization so it has z axis stabilization meaning it balances up and down which is something that to my knowledge no other stabilizers had no and it's weird because that like yeah you do have four axes but like if you go look up a photo of it it's not like you have insane range of motion with this thing from yeah. what i can tell it's a very small gimbal on the front of this massive like contraption yeah so, I don't know. I'd have to, I honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, I'd kind of have to use it to see where this would align yeah. because you also have to want to be using a gimbal to yeah. like have this work. So it's like, are you Almost going exclusive. to- Like you'd have to be yeah. on a, well, I suppose you could lock it off, theoretically. You could, but at that point, it's like, if you are, you almost would have to work your shooting, like your your shooting schedule around this camera. It's like, okay, we're going to shoot with the DJI Ronin 4D. We're going to have to use a bunch of these. We'll have them use them lock off, locked off, some of them not. It's it's just a very specific yeah. camera to be using in conjunction with a whole bunch of other. Like, you wouldn't necessarily pair this with a Red or an Ari. It, it all yeah. depends. Um, I feel like this is going to be like a massive explosion on the music video market. Yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like music videos are going to jump all over this. You know, especially yeah. at that price point. It's true. So, I don't well, know. It's, yeah. The other cool thing that I want to sort of touch on on yeah. this is that it uses LiDAR technology. Yes. So, LiDAR, to my understanding at least, is basically like it uses lasers to actually measure the distance between like the subject that it's looking at and its sensor. So, it's getting its autofocus off of a very very precise reading which i suppose regular autofocus is as well but this is like a different kind of tech that's like it doesn't have to measure it just knows continually right right i'm looking at it right now because I, I like i looked at it very briefly but i didn't like do enough research on it honestly um it, it's it's just weird. I, I don't necessarily know how to qualify it. Um, yeah. Well, it's I tough because we be their like, game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's tough because we haven't seen it in action. So it's like, you know. Yeah. And they use it on their Inspire drones now. But again, I don't, it's not something I'm super familiar with. But, um, and I think there's an adapter you can get for, uh, like the Ronin S that has the same tech. Gotcha. You know, oh. so you can use it as like autofocus on um, other lenses and things that might not have like older vintage lenses that might not have autofocus built into them. Gotcha. Okay. 
But all right. Um, so I don't know. I, it, it's a cool thing. Like the lidar stuff is something that I'm. I've been like kind of had my not my eye on, but has intrigued me for a while. Of, yeah. Like this could be a cool way to handle autofocus. But then again, we haven't seen it in action, so who, who knows? Exactly. All it says is like forty three thousand. Like yeah focus points point. like I, it doesn't really give you anything to go on other than big numbers so it's like it sounds really impressive which is what dji is all about i just hope that in practice it works i mean especially for their drones their technology is really really impressive so i can yeah. only assume that they're gonna start you know bringing this into their into their camera stuff and hey this is their first like camera camera i think i mean and, yeah it's a gimbal but like camera and not for <laughs> nothing but dji owns hasselblad yeah. So they're not inconsequential in their ability to make sensors and cameras and things like that. I don't think that this like Ronin 4D is like a de facto Hasselblad, but there's tech that they have access to that could make this a very good camera. So 100%. I now that you say that it's so funny cuz I'm thinking of some of the old school shooters who are like Hasselblad like medium format shooters. Yeah even like contemplating what to do with this th- it's just so funny to think about <laughs> like <laughs> that is amazing like what is this i don't know like i don't even know what to do with this thing like <laughs> yeah i uh yeah we're gonna have to see i'm gonna have to see some real people like go out and shoot with it because it's yeah. just one of those things that i don't know what it's a very it's, specific tool exactly and it's right at that price point where it's like for 7200 bucks you could get like a black magic camera, two lenses, and a gimbal, like if you wanted to. So it's like this would really have to be Yeah. It would have to replace everything and be like, okay, I'm never going back to it for that yeah. type of thing. So I don't know. Which like I feel like I know some shooters that like would be full on into that. I yeah. also know several that would be like, absolutely not. No way. Yeah. It also has like a wireless <laughs> transmission setup built into it, which is kind of cool. So you can monitor remotely. Yeah, if, I suppose if you're putting this on a drone or some or like operating it remotely, you know, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we had to get that set out there too because it's oh totally yeah, the yeah. other big kind of thing it's got going on. So I don't know. I like I'm intrigued by this. I want to see footage. I want to play with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it would have to be a very specific gig to shoot with it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think of what I would use it for when I wouldn't just, because again, for filmmaking, like if you're making a movie, yeah, you have to be, like, you have to just go full force into the gimbal thing. And some people aren't into that. Like they want to do Steadicam or they yeah. want to do sliders. They want to do easy rig. And it's like, you have to be very sure that you want to do gimbal shooting because it's a specific yeah. look, you know? Mm-hmm. So DJI is really, really going for something here, and we knew that when we saw this, but now it's here, and we're like, shit, okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's see who actually uses this thing. Yeah, and um, like I said, but I feel like it's like we're two generations from this being like a player, like something that like is feasible that people might shoot like an entire feature on this or something like that. Um, yeah. Or like, you know, I'm saying more of like a big budget kind of thing. Like, I'm sure there's people right now, they're like, I'm going to buy that and shoot a feature on it next week. Totally, uh, yeah. Well, not next week, but you know what I mean. Uh, but whenever, you know, <laughs> whenever yeah. it drops. Whenever, whenever they can get their hands on it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Intriguing. Weird. Definitely weird. <laughs> but that's that's DJI's jam. It is. It really is. And they're keeping up with that. 
Yeah. DJI doesn't care what other people think. They've never cared what other people think. No, that's where they are. That's how they've gotten to where they are right now. Yeah, so. that's how they're DJI. Exactly. And um, I was going to say, speaking of things or people who don't care what other people think, which I feel like Chalamet is yeah. in that boat. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, guys. Yeah. Our boy, the wonder child. Our boy. Uh, mm. Had a weekend. Had a yes. serious weekend. <laughs> yes. He was in both Dune and the French Dispatch, both of which premiered, I believe, this past Friday or Thursday, mm-hmm. which is just insane. Huge properties, completely different in tone, completely different directors. And he is not the... Is he the star of Dune? I'm, I don't even... I, I don't know much about that movie. I think it's an ensemble more than he's like the... Yeah. I think... So, to my understanding, Denise Villeneuve, who directed Dune, built the cast around timothy chalamet so like he's like like a central character so he like he's i would argue probably the main character of dune yeah but star is not necessarily like the word i'd use you know what i mean like gotcha i think it's like he's the main character but the rest of the people around him are as big if not bigger stars you know i think if you put timothy chalamet next to um Zendaya. Zendaya or um who's the Jason oh my God, Momoa or Oscar Jason Isaac Momoa. Or... That's the one I was trying to think of. <laughs> I, like I think if you put uh Timothy Chalamet next to Jason Momoa and like asked the average person who they're more likely to recognize, I think you'd get Jason Momoa much more often. Um, I think so too. Or Oscar Isaac <laughs> for that matter. Um true, true. Which is Star Wars, against I mean, him. Like... Yeah. Star Wars, Aquaman, you know. So yeah. that being said, like that's <laughs> This Dune is also a massive cast. It's like nuts. Yeah, yeah. One of the um, both of those movies are like the biggest ensembles I've like ever seen. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> so I don't know. So I guess the question that we're sort of looking at here is: Is Timothy Chalamet being a central character? Like, is he the draw? Is he the the movie star that people are coming out to see in either of these movies? Yeah. Well, let me let's let's start here. Josh, what's your opinion of Timothy Chalamet? So it's a I have a weird relationship to him because I don't I think that his personality as a person is not does not vibe with me at all. Just what I've seen with him in interviews. It just seems like he's really trying to put on the pretension pretty hard a lot, Mm -hmm. which is not my bag. But the more I see him in films, the more I genuinely like him. Like, I saw The French Dispatch, as I said. He's great in that movie. Yeah. Maybe it's because he's, like, directly, you know, across from Frances McDormand, and she's, like, one of the Frances greatest McDormand. of all time. Yeah. <laughs> but but he, you know, that movie made me like him, like, 5% more, and a Lady Bird made me like him a little bit, and it's just like, Lady I think... Lady Bird made, um, you, made you like him? As an actor, not as the okay. character. So I am cooling on Chalamet. I'm not a huge fan, but he's he's gaining my respect. Like one you're cooling on your time. hate of him. I'm cooling on my hate of him exactly because yeah. I so really you're warming like... with on him. I guess. <laughs> yes, I think that's what Double that's negatives. better. That's better. Yeah, yeah. I'm warming on Chalamet. Um, yeah. What do you <laughs> What do you think about Timothy? <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat. Like he spells his name with two e's. <laughs> yeah, I. So I think. I want to say my first like experience with him was Ladybird, 
to which mm-hmm. he is not a likable character in any capacity. Um, Awful. <laughs> but he does put on that same kind of bravado of like, I'm so talented and I'm so hip and I'm so bohemian and like mm-hmm. this kind of vibe that, yeah, same as you, it doesn't really mesh as much with me. It's tough because it's like you can't deny that he has talent. Yeah. Like the guy can act. The guy can act yeah. really well. And he's <laughs> the aides that he is and able to be like the central character of these major, major films. So like good on him for that. But I like I have the same vibe off of him as I do off of Jared Leto. Yeah. You know, know, where you're like, yeah, okay, cool, man. Like you're a really good actor, but like chill out be exactly cool man like just chill (laughs) yeah so i it'll be interesting because like he's not going anywhere he's probably one of the most bankable actors in hot so see here's the thing i say that out loud i'm like the one of the most bankable actors in hollywood but like is that even really a thing these days like yeah he's bankable in that like he's going to give a good performance if you put him in your film. Yeah. I don't think he's necessarily bankable that having Timothy Chalamet in your film is going to translate to better box office results. Right. Which I guess is the question of the day of today. It's like, yeah, does that even work anymore? Like, yeah, because I think of Tom Holland as like a complete opposite of him where he kind of they're kind of like a one to one when it's like they they're relatively the same age but completely mm-hmm. went different directions whereas you know Tom Holland went full on into the like the franchise and the yeah. bigger the bigger blockbuster, blockbuster stuff where Chalamet yeah. was like dealing with Greta Gerwig and stuff and he really took smaller bit roles before even this I'm like in the French Dispatch he's in like half of one of the the stories so it's like yeah. it's not like he's a major player or anything but like I would think in that cast like Zendaya is much more quote unquote bankable bankable sure than timothy chalamet is um it's just i don't know i don't know if that still holds up because i think that people will still see a movie at tom holland's in it i'm not one of those people i don't think which is weird to say it's like i love tom holland but it's it's interesting and to to go off on a tom holland sidebar here for a second but like outside of spider-man are there (sighs) tom holland films that you've seen that you're like i love that movie no, in fact, he's been pretty much on like a no hitter run, except for yeah. Spider-Man. Like I think of like Cherry and um, what was the one where he could, you could hear his thoughts. Uh, Chaos Walking. That's the one I was yes. thinking of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and not Awful. for nothing. But I, the I didn't new see it, but... Uncharted trailer. Like, oh Jesus! I oh, like God. I really like him, but like I, outside of the Spider Man franchise, he doesn't do a lot of good stuff. I, and I don't know if that's him, like, just not being a strong enough actor and just being, like, perfect for the role of Spider-Man, like, yeah. end line. Or if it's his agents and Hollywood in general trying to fit him into stuff that he doesn't fit into. So to go back, to bring it back to Timothy Chalamet is I feel like what I would say is, like, in, like, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, I don't know that we'll still be seeing stuff from Tom Holland we will absolutely yeah. still be seeing stuff from Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet is going to hang around in Hollywood for the rest of his life. And like, yes. And like Hollywood, maybe not Hollywood, but he's going to be in stuff for the rest of his life. I don't have like a good, like comparison kind of actor, but like, 
Well, I kind of think of him. He, I think his trajectory is going to be close to like what Leo is doing or has done. Yeah. Like I think he's you know takes a lot of indie small roles that are good. Like he has a track record, not Leo, but Chalamet has a track record of choosing world class films to be in. You know, yeah. Whether that's him or his agent, it's like no, he has basically hit a perfect batting average. Like there's no, yeah. and I think Leo is one of the only actors out there who you can say similarly, like he's only had one or two movies where I'm like, those movies I didn't like that much, but you were fantastic in it. You know, yeah. everything else is like Academy Award winner, Academy Award or a nominee. I the only one once, but yeah, it's, it's, I think you're right. You know, we'll see him for the next 20 years and he may not win an Oscar that like in the next two, but he'll, yeah. you know, he'll be around. Like Saoirse Ronan, like same same thing. Mm-hmm. She, I think she's a lot better than Timothy is, but mm-hmm. like she's another world class yeah. actor who just chooses the right stuff and will be around forever and will win an Oscar. Yeah, but probably not till she's like Helen Mirren's age, you know. So it's well, like, she's <laughs> been very close a couple times. She's been nominated like five times. So yeah. I'm like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. she, but it's one of those things where it's like they make them wait. They make them wait until, <laughs> you know, they're 70 and then, okay, well, yeah. we'll give you one, you know, <laughs> um, unless it's Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I, but yeah. <laughs> love me um, J law, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to come back, let's, let's come back from our Tom Holland, uh, excursion yes. here. Uh, yes. So it's an interesting thing because what we were talking about with is Timothy Chalamet, like, the draw or the like star of these films. And I don't think that's true. And I don't think it's something that like they're trying to necessarily say that he's the, the main draw. No, I don't think so at all. In that, like, I think the, him being able to carry a film is more of a thing of Timothy Chalamet is a solid actor. That's always going to give a good performance and we can build the film around that and i think that's what's making him so popular is his consistent like we're saying his consistent record of delivering solid performances and that's Mm -hmm. like that's the bankable it's not necessarily like bankable in terms of money it's bankable in terms of consistency Ooh, interesting i i I, I completely agree with you do you think that's turning the tides a bit because for a while we were in that like er, like 90s to early 2000s where it's sure. like movie star movie star movie star like let's put oh yeah i mean like Pitt, i say this you know? <laughs> yeah i say this all the time like will smith used to be like the most dependable box office draw in the industry like he could you know you could put him in anything and people would go see it yeah and they did um, and-, <laughs> and they did yeah and i think when we got into like the the more like the 2000s 2010s etc and we sort of moved away from star vehicles to like the big blockbusters being like sequels and franchises and etc 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 like the draw now is not necessarily the person but the Mm -hmm. property yes but those properties are propped up wordplay uh because of like a high-end talent like timothy chalamet or something like that Mm. you know it's more likely that dune which is a known property is gonna succeed with a dependable actor at the center of it Mm. as opposed to uncharted which is a known quantity ip that has an actor at the center of it that may be less so dependable at the bottom in terms of performance or right not even performance but like yeah, I guess it, I don't know. I don't know what else I'd call it besides performance, but like, yeah, 
Yeah, I agree I with re- that. I mean, yeah. it's it's we're at a weird turning point right now because I think just even the movies that we talked about this year that we're excited for. Yeah, yeah, some of them have some big names in them, but even like like we talked really briefly about the last duel. Like Ben Affleck is like barely in that movie. Like there's yeah. just some things where it's like the and and they're not out front and center. Like I think the house like House of Gucci was one of the only trailers where it was like banking yeah. quote unquote on the stars and on Ridley Scott and stuff like that. Even though it doesn't really matter, it's going to be something to watch. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that they're moving away from that. I didn't really consider yeah. that up until just recently. Because it's like, even with the Batman, like Robert Pattinson, he's a great actor and I love him. Is he, like, he's not, I'm trying to yeah. think of a better... Well, no, uh, I mean, that's a perfect one because you look at, so Robert Pattinson as the Batman, yeah, like, known in name to a degree. But like, yeah, Paul Dano as the Riddler? Yeah. You look at the previous Batman that we got with the Riddler, and it was Jim Carrey, who is like one of the huge, biggest bankable names of that time period. So it's like, you know, it's not about necessarily just the name anymore. It's about, well, I want to be like super hopeful and be like, it's about the performance, but I think it's more like (laughs) about the, oh, that's the Riddler or that. I know that. I recognize that. So I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, and I think it's weird because Dune, I think, oddly, is one of, is a good example of that happening because you have, while you have, like, big-name stars, like, yeah. if you go across that entire cast, they're all very consistent people. Like, Oscar yeah. Isaac, yeah, sure, he's been in Star Wars, but have you looked at his the rest of his IMDb? It's full of incredible performances yeah. across the board from, I mean, I and think... And weirdly, I, like, Star Wars, the thing he's biggest known for, I would say one of his weaker performances yeah, I don't like it. If for no other reason than like he doesn't really have that much to do with uh, yeah. Poe there, Poe Dameron. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> no one really does in Star Wars, but it's, yeah. Um, yeah. And even like Bautista and Jason Momoa, like very consistently good actors no matter where you put them. Yeah. Um, and Zendaya as well, which is interesting because like this Tom Holland consideration there. Zendaya um, is like a really interesting like case study because I don't really know where she came from. Like, I remember seeing, like, the first Spider-Man movie and being like, yeah, I'm supposed to know who this is, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, legit, like the whole thing is presented with, like, oh, and then Zendaya. And you're like, who? And it's like, Zendaya, what are you talking about? Why do you not know who that is? Like, right. <laughs> from the very beginning of her career. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that's just, like, something that she's conjured for herself and, like, props if she has. But. Right. I don't know. Do you know? Did she, was she, like, a Disney person? I want to say she you was. You know but... what? Yes, she was. Okay, so that's, I guess, where I know her from. Because, yeah, she was on Good Luck Charlie and Ant Farm, like a bunch of, like, 2010-ish shows on yeah. Disney. Okay, I thought she was a singer. Okay, so I guess I really don't know yeah. much about Zendaya either. That, she, like, she had, and I don't know, again, I don't know what if that's projecting, like, <laughs> oh, like, Zendaya, one name, must be, like, some kind of pop star or something like that, you know? Like right. share, sure, exactly. Shakira, or Beyonce, or Shakira, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's exactly what I thought too. I was like, oh shit, she's got to be a pop star, but I mean, yeah. not really. <laughs> wow, talk about a career that you just like willed into existence. Like, holy yeah. shit, and she's um, good too. But <laughs> yeah, so it, it, yeah, it, like, and consistently. So I feel like the thing we're getting towards in this is that like the consistency thing is like 
really important these days. So like yes. to go back to Will Smith, it's like you look at like Wild Wild West or like iRobot or something like that. And it's like not well, I don't mind iRobot. I have a guilty pleasure around that one. But yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like you look at these films that objectively are like not good. Gemini Man. And, uh, Gemini Man. Earth. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's that. <laughs> I feel like that's the post biggest star on the planet. Will Smith, you know, yes. like where he's just like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like those bad films on his in his filmography don't necessarily didn't derail his career. But if like I don't know now, I'm like having this argument in my head and like talking myself out of what I'm saying as I'm saying it. But like now nowadays, <laughs> it's like if you have two or three bad films in a row, that makes it a lot harder for you to get the next big film yeah. because people are i guess that's always what it's been i don't know i'm rambling over here i mean no i get what you're saying and i think like what you said at the beginning is completely right like there's and I, it might be the quality of film that's coming out now or just like the sheer saturation of the amount of good quality stuff that's happening yeah. but you're right i mean it's you you could make five awful movies in a row or like have a run of one bad movie one good one one bad one and it wouldn't really derail your career as much as it would i mean there was runs where de niro had like nothing but shit movies and jack yeah. nicholson had awful perform it's like but that's they're still revered as some of the best yeah. of their generations i think there's a level to which and this is like getting more elaborate than i feel like we need to here but there's a level to <laughs> which it's like once you hit a certain level it doesn't like there's like like Will Smith is still making movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's up. He's going to be up for an Oscar this year. Like, yeah, you know, he, like once you hit a certain like once you have those films that are like work their way into like like Robert De Niro can do whatever he want because Taxi Driver because of Raging Bull because of Casino. Yeah, Casino <laughs> but because of like there's a level to like once you hit like a certain level, you can do whatever you want and everyone's going to still be fine with it. Yeah. Chalamet, Holland. Not so much there yet. And I would argue right. things like Jason Momoa, not so much there. If Jason Momoa was, if the next Aquaman movie is terrible. Well, but then you look at Gal Gadot and it's like, she's still, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird dynamic that I feel like I don't fully grasp. And I feel like is in a constant state of flux where you can't just say this is a movie star these days. Well, and then when you're talking about big blockbuster IP stuff, it's like it really doesn't matter how good you are as long as the movie does well. Like it's, yeah. you know, we see it all over the Avengers. Like not everyone is super strong in the Avengers movies. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. They're in every single one besides Edward Norton, who is super like not a fun <laughs> sure. person to work with. But it's like it doesn't really matter how good or bad you are as long as you're pulling in people to chairs. Now, yeah. with something like the French Dispatch, not really the same thing because you're looking for quality over quantity. So you're not yeah, looking that's more for of an actor film theater full. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, I think it made a million dollars this weekend. So I'm like, yeah, of course, Wes Anderson doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah. I made this movie for fun. Um, so I think it's, uh, it, it's the willingness to, one, do things that... I think the whole actors refusing to do things these days is really putting a bad taste in people's mouths. And I am going to point at Will Smith because he does that a lot where he kind of just says like, not these days, but in the mid 2000s, he was, I've heard that he was kind of being like, no, if I'm not the one lead, I'm yeah. not going to do it type of thing. Yep. 
which is how he did that run of awful movies. And I think the willingness to come on for these big ensembles where it's like, we've seen tons of these this season. Mm -hmm. And we talked about them, huge ensembles with people who are all fighting for best supporting or best actor. And it's that willingness to kind of come in and do your part on this big piece. Uh, where that I don't think some of those big name actors were willing to do, and it's changing now, which is, I think it's a good thing. It's interesting you say um, ensembles, because I'm like, most of the larger things these days are ensemble. Yeah, like like true ensemble. I'm trying to think of like movies off the top of my head that I'm like, that's one big major star. And like you, you, you think of things like Aquaman, which is like Jason Momoa, but like also Aquaman has five or six other big name actors in it. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, Amber Heard, Patrick Wilson. Like, come on. Yeah. Like (laughs) across the board. And the same with like, I I don't know, even on the smaller stuff, I think of like last year, was it last year? It might be two years ago, but with Marriage Story, which was Adam Driver, who's a name and a draw in his own capacity, Mm -hmm. but also Scarlett Johansson. Or I feel like there's like, I'm going to be listening to this podcast later. I'm going to be like, yeah, except this movie and this movie and this movie and this movie. But like, I feel like for the most part, we're not getting films that are based around one big actor. And that's the only star. Attack. There's no like Hitch. You know what I mean? Right. Where it's like Will exactly. Smith and I don't know why Hitch is what comes to mind. But like, that's it's what like I was Will Smith too. and then like Ava Mendez was like kind of a name attached to it. But like. Like Kevin James a little like he was Kevin there. James, yeah, like <laughs> but it's like it's like this is a Will Smith movie. Yeah. Whereas like now I'm like, I don't like I, I don't consider Aquaman a Jason Momoa movie. I don't consider Dune no. a Timothy Chalamet movie. I don't know. Do you think that's think, like the Avengers thing? Think that, of like, like they brought in this possibly like this, but this like can do well. Like <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, not a Chris Hemsworth. True. Movie. True. You know? Like um oh it's so true i'm like literally just trying to like what we like even like you look at ghostbusters you know yeah. or like or spider-man <laughs> like it's like no, there's nothing that's based around one big actor's name like that is the sole draw of the film yeah. which might be like the maybe we're moving out of a period where we're letting the like prior knowledge of what's going on with this specific person to draw people in, and they're just rel- solely relying on the content to make to draw people in. Even like stuff like Last Night in Soho, it's like yeah, two big name people. It's yeah. just you're right. There's no and arguably like the with that one, Edgar Wright would be a big name attached to that as totally well, like yeah. And even that red notice I was thinking of, it's like it's three yeah. huge name actors that probably all have the same amount of screen time contractually. Like, <laughs> I suppose Free Guy would, would fit into that. Yes, although I would say that Jodie Comer is, like, she, what, for me, she was, like, the strong, well, and also, like, Joe Keery and Taika. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. that was Ryan Reynolds' vehicle. Yeah. But there were some big drawers, like, like uh, big players. Yeah. That. That's a really interesting thing to, to like consider of that. Like, yeah, like you, it's, when you say things are ensembles these days, you go, oh, yeah, Avengers or Dune or these things that are billed as like massive groups of, of famous actors. But I guess, it, yeah, like we're getting to a place where like across the board, it's like you got to have even you look at the French dispatch of like, you know, <laughs> that's all like grade A talent. Um, yeah. You could say 
I guess that Bill Murray is like, no, you can't even say that. He's in it for like maybe six minutes. Like the, like the whole thing is like, yeah, it's based around the story. Like it's not based yeah. around one singular person or performance. It's based around the story, which I think is just, I don't know. Maybe that's just more of a, a drawing factor for audiences these days. I know it is for me. Like, I don't care if I see, if I see one person up on, on a poster these days, I'm like, oh, might not be as, that actually is a detractor for me. Cause I'm like, well, why didn't 10 people yeah. sign on to this? Like, why didn't Chalamet sign on to this? Like, is there something wrong? Is there, why is Will Smith? I don't want to rag on Will Smith too much. But well, why so is, it's like, just, just I, one brought person? Up, <laughs> I brought up our, uh, movie still to come uh episode yeah. a couple episodes ago i was trying to and think about it I, yeah. like i'm looking here i'm like so there to rag on will smith there is king richard <laughs> oh i didn't know you're trying to <laughs> okay yeah um which like is a arguably a will smith vehicle but like yeah my attraction to that movie is not will smith and then the other one that i saw there it was um spencer spencer yeah, with mm-hmm. which is I think very much a Kristen Stewart like I see I don't want to say Kristen Stewart vehicle though because I don't think she's the central point of that film. Nor is she bankable. Like yeah. Not to say that she's bad because I think she's phenomenal, but she's not a bankable star these days. Yeah. So it, it, it's that's another one where it's like no that's relying on the fact that she's actually good in it. Like if you yeah. were to say consistent performance. Need, yeah, consistent performance. Like it's yeah. not because it's Kristen Stewart, it's because it's she's good in it. Oh but like just God. looking through this, I'm like like Nightmare Alley, I'm like jacked for the whole cast. Like yeah. Don't look up the tragedy of Macbeth. Huge cast, yeah. Um Licorice Pizza, Licorice even though we don't pizza. know many of them, it's huge yeah. cast, yeah. But it's like, yeah, there's no one here that I'm like this there's this one actor that i want to see in a movie yeah even Even the matrix i'm like yeah yeah no time to die yeah (laughs) or the matrix yeah Yeah, the matrix is like oh yeah keanu but it's like i'm not there necessarily for keanu's performance i'm there for the matrix man yeah (laughs) i'm I'm there there for for the the wachowskis honestly yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so i don't know this is all very interesting i feel like this conversation did not end up at all where i thought we were gonna go but no, I thought we were going to just rag on Chalamet for 15 <laughs> yeah, minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. It'll be we're, interesting we're a... to, to bring it back. There, I'm sure there will be some movie that his performance just makes me go, damn it, now I like you. It's going to be in the next like two years. I'm... Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, it'll be interesting to see if he hits an Oscar like in the next two years or like you're saying, if it's in like 20 years. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's going to be like in like, 2025 or six okay he'll he'll do because like i think he's also still learning too yeah you know what i mean like he's still growing as an actor and it's like there's like much more potential to be unlocked in him i hope unless he is very much in his head like i am the greatest actor of all time uh uh, jared leto (laughs) which if if he has that mindset i would not even put it past him because it's like dude he You're has that being vibe. told that you are the yeah. greatest ever by everyone. And it's like, uh, I will say the French Dispatch brought him down. A, a, like, it, it made him, it was, a, it was a comedic performance from him. So I'm like, this made yeah. me like you more because it made you more personable. Whereas the rest of the roles he takes is usually like the brooding, like, kind yeah. of edgy teen. Dude. It's like, I'm yeah. not, yeah, exactly. I'm not into that. I'm just not into that. But, uh, 
yeah, I'm like you, very, very curious to see his career. It's going to be an interesting one, and I hope that he chooses wisely, which he seems like he is. So hopefully there his track go. record continues on. Timothy know. Chalamet. Chalamet, guys. Timothy spelt with two E's. I mean, is yep. that whatever? I don't I'm not going to get into it. But yeah, guys. <laughs> there we go. That was there weird. it is. I like that was that was interesting. That was a good one for not having a like a really solid plan going in. We yeah. we made something of it. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be one of those things to be chewing on for a couple days too. Like hmm. yeah, exactly. Discussion. It's a discussion. Yeah. So. Uh, so so let's, let's bring uh, it back. Yeah, yeah. Josh, uh, you got a recommendation for us this week? I do, and this being the final Monday uh, of you know we're recording on Monday, the final Monday and the final week of October. Yes. Gotta end it off on a, on my last horror recommendation for this month, which is the classic 1982 film by John Carpenter, The Thing. Yes. Oh my God, this movie! Every time I watch it, it gets better and better, and it's it's insane to me that this movie was straight up hated when it came out. Like it's people hmm. were like, "This is awful. It's disgusting." And I'm like, "Yeah, but that's what makes it beautiful." Are you kidding me? This is. I mean, yeah, Kurt Russell, Keith David, there's nothing I can say about this that you haven't heard already. Um, the practical effects done by Rob Botton at 22 years of age. <laughs> that was my letterbox review was he did this movie at 22 years of age. Done. Like, yep. that's all you need to know. It's it's incredible. The practical effects blow everything, even in 2021, out of the water. Genuinely scary, but also just kind of... Um, I don't know. It's just, it has a lot of heart and soul to it. And it's John Carpenter, so you know it's going to be a good horror film with a lot of unique stuff to it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, blends practical effects seamlessly into, like, this realistic world using just animatronics and just incredible use of everything. It's just, I cannot sing the praises of this film enough. Five stars from me. Go watch it. It's on Stars. It's on Hulu. Rent it if you have to. Go watch the thing before October's over. Or, hey, it's kind of a... Not a Christmas movie, but there's snow in it, so you can watch it in December, go. I guess, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so the thing, guys, John Carpenter's, not the remake. Don't do not do that one. Just yeah. John Carpenter's version. What do you got this week, Willis? What's your recommendation? So it's, it's really interesting because you just teed mine up perfectly. Oh, hell yes. Because my recommendation for this week is one of my favorite movies uh, in terms of horror movies, and it's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Let's go. Which I was, you were like, oh yeah, you could also watch in December. I'm like, yes, the Nightmare Before Christmas can be watched anytime from oh October 31st to December 25th. Um, so good, absolutely amazing. I, I mean, it's the Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, what do you what do you say? Like, it's the story Tim of Jack Burton. Skellington uh, as he discovers Christmas Town and tries to bring it home to Halloween Town, and the 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 songs are iconic. Uh, oh not God. directed by Tim Burton, as so many people think. Uh, directed oh. by Henry Selleck. Uh, what the hell? Of James and the Giant Peach or... Oh, um, that's right. Coraline. Written by uh, Tim Burton. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah. Stars Danny Elfman. Uh, is yes. The vocal, is the voice of, of Jack Skellington singing. Chris Sarandon uh, as his voice. But uh, Catherine O'Hare as Sally. Like, just... Oh, iconic, classic, beautiful. Yes. Stop the motion. Best. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So good. Is this more so. of a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? It's tough to say. I want to say this is more <laughs> of a... I want to say this is more of a Halloween movie because it is kind of scary. 
you know. Can, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, and it's not really the the warm and fluffy feelings that you want around the hall around Christmas time. You know, um, you can't really put this up against like Elf or something like that. Well, you totally can, but like you know, you definitely could, but. Um, Different, different in terms vibe, of quality, but different vibe. Yeah. So I tend to watch <laughs> yes. it more around Halloween. Um, yeah. And I do watch it like every year. Um, so. An absolute so, classic. Yes. Where can we find it? Anywhere? Um, anywhere? Uh, I'm sure you can rent it. Rent it on Amazon, guys. Yeah. Yeah. This. See, this is. I always like get my my recommendations all set, and then I like get to when I'm about to say it, and I'm like, I have no idea where it's playing. <laughs> Well, hey, we all have the internet if you're listening to this podcast, so you do your own research, guys. Go find it. You can find it. It literally takes one second. I'm taking that second right now. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's a Disney movie. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. Disney+, Plus, yeah. guys. And as also much on, as I hate giving Disney mo- Amazon. money. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I don't like giving Amazon money either, but choose. Choose the better yeah. of two evils there. I already have subscriptions to both, so. I know, so. (laughs) Um, Cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, if there is nothing else to talk about, let's talk about where people can find you on the internet. Yes. So people can find me if they're interested uh, on Instagram at Josh J. Fuller, on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33, Fuller spelled with no E. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Josh Fuller. Just put it up up in the little search bar there. You'll find me. Uh, where can people find you, Willis? So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Willis Film. Uh, you can find me also on Letterboxd, I think, if you just search Andrew Willis. Uh, ooh, fun fact. I guess that might be the first time I revealed that Willis is not my first name, but my last name. Uh, Whoa, 25 episodes in. and There you go. This is the drop? Spoilers. Okay. <laughs> um, and so haphazardly as well. Uh, <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, so I'm also on Letterboxd. And then if you want to uh, find the podcast, we are on Instagram at Pixel Splitters. We are on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. And we are on Letterboxd together at Pixel Splitters. Yes, and think. on there, yes, definitely yeah. Pixel Splitters. And you can find all of our weekly recommendations and any other lists that we do, our and anticipated our 10, movies, yeah. and anything we do in the future. So Letterboxd, guys, it's a good good social it's media good, platform. Good, good deal. Yes. Uh, all right, and that will bring us home. Uh, yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah. Go see a movie. Please. Yes. There's go so see many. Just go. Every weekend from here on out. Yeah. Just be there. It's, in know. the week too. Go in the middle. Go on a Wednesday. Blow off work. Go on a Wednesday. Please do. It'll make me happy. So. Yeah. But yeah, guys. That'll cool. do it. All Go right, home. Josh. Well, good to talk to you, and uh, we'll talk you to too, you next man. week. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, guys. <laughs>